the only thing we should be romantic about is our customers and our products. And what I mean by that is like get romantic and obsess emotionally over how your product works and solves problems and like, like mm -hmm. making the best tasting product, making the most unique product. Mm -hmm. It's got to be different, the right? Most easily digestible. Make course. it, make it digestible, make it whatever delivers results. Like make the best product that gets people results mm -hmm. and obsess and be romantic as heck about that. But when it comes to the numbers and the math and like the spending and the investments, that stuff, you got to get rid of that. You got to get rid of the emotions out of that. Welcome to Big Business Mistakes, hosted by Brandon and Kaylin Poulin. Hear the most successful entrepreneurs tell jaw-dropping stories and lessons behind their biggest business mistakes so that you don't make them. Ditch the fake highlight reel and get the raw truths and golden lessons of what it actually takes to scale your business from those who have done it. This is Big Business Mistakes. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Big Business Mistakes show slash podcast. I feel like we say it different every time. Don't care. So pumped to have you guys back. I'm your host, Brandon. And Kaylin. Poolin. Let's roll. Yeah. There's the cheesy intro. Yeah. After the intro, yeah. after the video. Mm -hmm. Love it. Can't wait to talk to you guys today. We got a good one. Mm. It's going to be interesting. What are we talking about? We're talking about entrepreneur epic fails. Ooh. Blunders you wouldn't believe. Ooh, that we've witnessed. That was a good one. I was like, oh, blunders. Yeah. Like, oh, these are good guys. So the the spirit behind this one today is really all of you guys learning from the mistakes of actually some incredible mm -hmm. companies and entrepreneurs that we've worked with over the last year. Mm -hmm. So I've compiled some of the stuff. They're, like it's endless, right? Because every the only perfect company is dead. Is dead, right? <laughs> there is no such thing. There's no. The perf only perfect company is an idea. <laughs> That's right. The perfect idea in the beginning. Yeah, because a dead company obviously isn't per perfect. It died or went bankrupt, but the only perfect company is still ideation. Yep. Okay. And idea, ideas are perfect before they get in reality. Mm -hmm. So some seriously amazing entrepreneurs, amazing companies, all making millions of dollars a year. And you guys would be mind blown at what some, like, there's just blind spots, right? You don't know yeah. what you don't know. Yeah. It's just like right? us sharing all of ours. It's like everyone saw the success from the outside, but like, it's like internally, here's what was mistakes that were happening the things that we did wrong and like sharing those. So it doesn't, it doesn't take away from the fact that they have great and successful businesses. It's just like, how can we take what we've experienced and seen in these other companies and lay it out in a way that maybe we didn't experience it, but lay it out for you guys of things to watch out for. Exactly. Know, or be able to overcome. Like, here's how you get past it. So that's why we have this show. So you guys can learn from the mistakes of incredible entrepreneurs have been there who have done that, who have actually walked the walk and are doing it right now. Really? I thought it was the purpose of this podcast was like marital counseling. I, I'm i going to need <laughs> marital counseling after this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to need a Hobby Lobby trip after this podcast. <laughs> and I will need extra counseling after Hobby Lobby trip. <laughs> Before this, I was like, what are we doing tonight? She's like, we're going to Hobby Lobby. <laughs> and I was like... What? All of a sudden he got tired. I'm like, he's like, I think I'm coming you know down with something. You know, you have toddlers <laughs> and you're a dad when you're like, what are we going to do tonight? Hobby Lobby trip. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, we don't shop at Target no more, so. <laughs> Hubba Lobby oh gets my, my money. Gosh. Let's go, guys. All right. So thank you guys for watching. Thank you for subscribing, downloading, all that good stuff. Thank you for dealing with all of our BS. All of her BS. You're getting pretty good at it, though. I don't Trained know. you well. I don't know. Young Padawan. So jump on the jump on the review button if you guys haven't. Comment on YouTube. We'd love to hear from you. We read them. We yeah. want to see them. Make sure, make sure as you listen to this, you're looking for your 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 one nuggie, I like to call it. Your number one takeaway, your one gold nugget that you're like, man, like that was it. If I just did this thing or that thing that really helped me, like look for that in this podcast. Because I know what Brandon's about to lay out and it's super juicy. All you need is one. <laughs> one one golden nugget. Your golden ticket. Like so thanks for hanging out with us today. Let's dive right in. You guys ready? Let's go. Let's go. Let's get this. Which one should I start with? They're so good. I got 16 right here. Mm -hmm. I'm like. I know. I mm. told him. I was like, we're probably going to have to do part one and part two. Cause... Right. Because I'll get to going on this. Guys, um, outsourcing your marketing <sighs> and trying to buy your way in this area is a big mistake that I've seen. Yeah, And in fact, um, in this example, it's just one of those things that you can throw as much money at it as you mm -hmm. want. And usually it doesn't solve it. Mm -hmm. And so what I, what I mean by marketing, right? It's the messaging that you're going after. It's the, the copy of the offer. It's the, the frameworks around how you communicate with your customer. It's the captions on your social media. Right? The, it's like, the ad copy. Like this is something that you can co-create, right? So we we had um we had a key employee um at our last organization and we have that we found that person now at Enterprise CEO. We have that person. Mm -hmm. But Kaylin and I, like we both geek on marketing. Cause look, at the end of the day, there are so many incredible products that nobody knows anything about. There's so many amazing podcasts that people don't know about. Like this one, so tell a friend. <laughs> it's not that bad. No. <laughs> We're very niche, right? Yeah. It's like there's so many incredible products and services that nobody knows about because the marketing wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And so no matter how many gurus promise you, hey, this age, like no agency mm -hmm. is tell going to solve your business's problems. Tell them. I'm telling you right now, you can pay them 10K, you can pay them 20K, you can pay them 100K. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you right now, no agency has ever outperformed our internal team. And we've had a lot of agencies. And they won't because what happens with an agency is they hire they hire a account manager or whether it's a media buying agency or a funnel agency or a marketing agency or brand agency, whatever it is, right? They hire somebody and they have five accounts and they're servicing five companies or seven, right? Hopefully not more than that. And so you have one person's energy split between five things, seven things. And then you're going to say they're going to solve your marketing problem and make your business work. Yeah. They're going to make your funnel convert. They're going to make your ads convert. They're going to make your offer convert higher. They're going to train your salespeople. Like I would say in the marketing area, sales, eh, we could get to that later, but that's not going to happen. That's not realistic at all. And so I have seen people throw countless dollars at this problem, right? When the reality is you need to do it internally, whether it's you or you find someone who's incredible at marketing and you give them a part of your business or 
you train somebody up in the way that you think, Mm -hmm. right? But like nobody can write the core value proposition of your company, the The messaging, understanding the messaging, the pain, the dreams Mm -hmm. of your customers. And really like we use a process where you don't even have to make it up. You can just use your customers to give it to you, right? If you at least have some. And, and so there's, there's better ways to do it. But just one of the things that I see people do is they try to just, and the greater concept here is just throw money at agencies to solve these problems, right? Yeah. And, well, and I just want to say too, like we're not poo-pooing on agencies. We use a lot of agencies, but I think co-creation, the word co-creation that you use, that's where you really found like the best medium was co-creating with the agency. And what agencies will find if you're an agency owner that's listening is that when you co-create with the client, the result and the return that you're going to get for them is going to be better because you guys aren't having to like guess at the messaging and like, Oh, use other weight loss ads that you're seeing working and like just using that, right? Like you're co-creating with them for a message that's like unique to them and they know their customer best. I know my customer a million times more than an agency will ever know or be able to learn. And like, they're not going to go down into niching into like my specific customer to make me the best ads, to make me the best stuff, to make me the best emails, to write me the best copy because they have a bunch of other industries they're working for. So when you think about it of like, how do you co-create with the agency or how do you co-create with like a number two? Originally, I was like writing all the stuff, all you the copy them. all the time. And, you coach and so, yeah, you coach them through That's it. That's how you and, do it. You co-create by you coaching them. Yeah. And then I would have her do it. And then I would film a loom of me going through her email. And I would say, this is why I'd say this here. This is why I'm changing this. This is why like this doesn't sound right. This is why we don't say this. And so I literally trained her up like that. She would write every email, every social post, every everything. I trained her up and thinking like how my brain thinks, looking for the things and changing and editing things so she can hear my brain literally processing like why this is wrong, why this is incorrect, why I'm changing this, why I'm shifting this. And so it trained her up in that. And so co-create with someone to do it, whether it's an agency or a number two to you, But yeah, you can't just like hand it off to someone else and expect the same result as you yourself, who is your customer, like knowing it more than you. Sales and marketing are core functions that have to be owned Mm -hmm. at the cap table. The cap table is the ownership of the business. That's good. They have to be owned at the cap table. Okay. Like you're not going to have any, like if there's three partners in a company, nobody does sales or marketing and they're going to outsource it to an agency, it's going to fail. Mm. Like, please show me an example. I want to see one. I've never met, I've never met any successful company where, where sales and marketing were not owned at the cap table or at least understood at the cap table and then taught and, and leveraged internally as a function, mm. not outsourced. And so this is just one of those things that you cannot throw money at this problem and expect it to get fixed. You can throw money at a lot of things, right? You can throw money to recruit people. You can throw money to get speed in any area. You can throw money at systems. You can throw money at implementation. You can throw money at most problems, but this is an area that this is the sauce guys. So like you have to be a student of sales and marketing. That's Mm -hmm. two skills that you have to master because if you don't master them, truly it's just mastering your customer marketing. You're speaking something in language they've, they'll have they understand. And we've done a couple episodes that are really taught, focused on marketing, mm. right? And so you have to focus on the marketing. And then the sales is the process in which you go from marketing into a customer, right? Mm-hmm. The conversion process, whether that's phone sales, webinar sales, in-person sales, group sales, event sales, like it's all the same 
um, people, they're all humans. They all have the same psychology, thoughts, fears, beliefs, pains, dreams. It's just the way that the model works and how you move them along that process that's different, right? Depending on the application. Yeah. And too, if you're leaning on an agency to do all of your messaging and your marketing and your copy, like how much are you truly learning about your customer? And like, how well do you actually know the messaging if you're leaning on someone else? What happens if you don't work with that agency anymore? Right? It's like they've dialed in maybe who your customer is, but do you really know? So good. Right? Yep. So next one, guys. Next entrepreneur epic fail that I see recently from amazingly successful companies. So by the way, you can mess these things up and still win. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But imagine if but you don't. What if you didn't have to? What if you didn't have to? That's right. What if there was like, you know, people out there telling you? Or people that could help you, right? So so we've, all of these things, we've walked companies through these problems, right? So I'm just like, I'm giving you the sauce of like, hey, here's the thing. Like if you're a fly on the wall in one of our strategies. Yeah, days. like, like these are all problems that we walk people through because uh, we've done them all in our own companies, right? Mm -hmm. Like we've got five businesses in the portfolio right now, mm -hmm. right? We've got dozens of, of clients that we work with. And so we walk people through these problems because they're in every business, right? Yep. That's what's cool. So that's why I want you guys to glean from this. I'm like, this is what's happening right now, mm -hmm. right? Like right now. Yeah. So next one is a lot of, a, a lot of people in the, digital coaching entrepreneur space, right? <laughs> right there. They grow, they've grown organically. Like we moved in to the social media world decades ago, right? Facebook's like 23 years old or something. <laughs> um, like so, as old as you. Yeah. Like we moved and I don't think it is. No, the internet is, I'm sorry. That's wrong. Facebook's like 13 years. I think it's 13 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Something don't quote like me that. on that one. So, so we moved into this social media age and we're well in it. Right. And so when it comes to like how people get attention and the best places to advertise and buy media and grow your business are social media networks, mm -hmm. right? It's all digital. Everyone's on the phone. Duh. We all know this. Yep. It's there. So most companies are doing something organically, right? And when I say organically, they're, they're making content on social media organically. Mm -hmm. And the people that have figured out how to do it organically and they figured out how to tell their story they've been able to create a whole amazing company, a lot of times multiple seven-figure companies out of organic marketing, right? It's yeah. that that's that's what's happening in the like coaching type of space, right? And so and so in in that realm at some point they all get to this point where hmm. I no longer have control over my growth. I can't force organic to work for me. Mm -hmm. Like you can't like consistently create viral content. Like it sounds really good and everyone's like, oh yeah, we can make you go viral. And like, <laughs> if I wanted to go viral, I'd make a dumb, stupid, funny, entertaining video that applies to everybody and and I would work at it and then you could get it. You could figure it out. Like mm -hmm. we've worked with with a couple amazing, they, that's what they do, right? It's like, but but that's not a business, right? You can, if you make content that like just makes people laugh because it's silly, like that doesn't attract people to your business or your offer necessarily. It just mm -hmm. gives them a, a laugh and you get a lot of views and likes, right? Mm -hmm. So but it doesn't convert to customers. So the point is here is that you reach a point where you need to create predictable revenue to start to actually scale, scale a business. And the way that you create predictable revenue is by having control over your acquisition. You have a throttle, right? Like you've got a throttle and as you move the throttle, it juices more power, you get more customers. And so you've got to buy attention, right? And so paid media. So moving from organic to paid media. So I see 
I see the mistake. I see the mistake made all the time of thinking that like we can just sit in this organic place and we never have like we're going to still be able to grow from that. Like you can get to a point, but eventually you need control over it. And so you have to learn the paid traffic game. A lot of things I see too is that a, a like an influencer will grow mm-hmm. and then they'll they'll basically start selling something and they'll do a ton of revenue. But then all of a sudden, a couple million dollars later, they've farmed and they've harvested all of the seeds that were sown over the years of growing organically. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why am I not making any more sales? I still have all these followers. Well, you've you've harvested all of the crop, right? Mm-hmm. And you didn't plant any new seeds, right? And so this is where lead generation, right? Lead nurture has to begin to happen with throttle, right? Not just posting content, right? Mm-hmm. And so if, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, if you're an organic creator right now, and this is speaking to you, like if you put the amount of energy mm-hmm. into your paid advertising, and the creative of paid advertising that and you craft it like you craft an organic post. Yes. And you put the same amount of energy, like you would explode, mm-hmm. right? Because you make a, a, a an organic post. It's like, yeah, like YouTube lives forever. Like TikToks could like circulate Instagram reels. But like the reality is organic content's gone as fast as it comes because there's a whole well, new organic wave content's the next day. up to the people. Right. You know what I mean? So besides, with the exception of YouTube, it it basically is gone at some like within a week or two, right? I mean, it can it can go longer than that in certain situations, but ultimately that's what happens. That's how the algorithms work. The new is served up. It's current. It's recent. It's going to take over. So so if you put the time amount of time and energy into paid content, you can make something once and then put boost behind it. Understand your numbers. How much can I afford to spend to acquire? an action or a customer, right? Mm-hmm. Like an email or an appointment or whatever, a show, like whatever your action you're measuring is. If you can get to where you understand that number and then how that number backs out to what that customer's worth, that is the game of scaling a business. And that is what you have to understand if you want to grow, right? So if you're an organic, the mistake that I see is thinking that like that's that ride's going to last forever, yeah. but you're going to hit a pinnacle point and you're going to have to create predictable, consistent revenue. And if you can't do that, you're going to end up in this spot where you're like, what's happening? Why is it going down? And it's frustrating. And you're yeah, like, some, some of you organic creators need to just like pick up your the flag that you've planted of like, I do everything organically. I'm an organic content creator. Like paid advertising is like this dirty dirty thing or something well, scary yeah i mean it's scary but also you gotta, it's like, like spend money no like, just all of mine's spend organic i hear that all the time from like influencers and stuff and like no like everything i do is organic i don't run any paid anything and i'm like you're saying it like that's like a like a compliment like a place that like wanting a badge to be of like honor. A, yeah like a badge of honor when i'm like yeah you're doing all this and it's so great but what would happen if you turn one of those pieces of organic content into an ad Right. And it did so well organically, like with your following and got you all this reach. How would it convert as an ad that can literally just run and run and run and run and doesn't get, you know, sent down to the bottom of your Instagram page over time? Yep, exactly. So making that transition is tough, but putting that same amount of energy, you you actually have a massive advantage. You just have to understand the economical side. So this segues perfect into the next one is it's actually 
the the so let's let, let's take this kind of scaling word, right? Like everyone mm-hmm. likes to say scaling, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what we do. We help companies scale. Like what does that mean? <laughs> right? Well, like the first step is they have to have predictable revenue. They have to have consistent acquisition, right? And not episodic income events. <laughs> Right. So good. I heard Dan Kennedy say that he was like episodic yeah. income events. It's like, that's not it's like a business. you don't have a business. Yeah, that's an episodic income event. You launch something, you do something once a year, twice a year. Yeah. Once a month. Like, so, so, cre- you know, so anything that you can repeat and make consistent over time is what I'm talking about. So that's step one is like, we have to be able to do that. But in order to scale that, we need to know the numbers. We need to know the path of math. The path of math. I have a. You need to get that tattooed, man. You I know. Say it so I, I much, say it, it so much. That's because it's the game. Like once you've got the marketing, the product, the system that of selling, and you're creating revenue, it's all about math. People don't get that. So here's here's the mistake. Number one is not understanding the math, right? Like we don't even know what the math is. So the question is, what's the most you can afford to pay for a customer? And I asked a room full of entrepreneurs that were all like, uh, I don't know, 10 million a year, mm-hmm. somewhere like th- around there. And there was only two people out of 30 that knew that that answer. And I was like, like sh- the real I answer. was shocked. Yeah. And I was like, you would all be twice or three times as the size you are right now if you knew the answer to that number. You knew the answer to that question. What is the most you can afford to spend to acquire a customer? Right. That's the key. And so I've got like, for people that work with us, I have like a two hour training on that and I cannot get into that. I'll make brains bleed. You need Advil. But that's my line. I've actually finally simplified it and I have a a whole model that we made on it. Anyway, Mm -hmm. customer acquisition cost, lifetime value, okay, cash flow break even, right? Acquisition return on ad spend, not just return on ad spend, acquisition return on ad spend. If you go look those four numbers up and you study them, you can learn this, this path, right? So I'm, give, I'm equipping you. I'm not just like leaving you on a cliffhanger. So that's the first mistake is they don't know, know the number. The second mistake, and this was recent, and I was on a call and I was like, dude, you got it all right here. I was like, what are you doing? Just spend more money. It's like- What happened? It's like, how do you decide how to spend more money? And this is an emotional thing. No, like what happened? You're on the call- and like before you had the revelation, you're like, you got everything here. It was like, they're like, what's the path to growth? Like, what was the problem? What, 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 what happened? Like, what was the problem that they were like? The, the problem was emotions. Mm. It was a mental like, I've been comfortable spending this amount of dollars on my mm. ads and I'm making this much revenue. But what happens if I turn it up and spend more? It's like, oh, what's going to happen? And so this is where if you know the numbers, you know the path of the math, then all of a sudden you have confidence, right? And then you can spend more and your business doubles. That's what's crazy about paid, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. SEO is cool. Like there's so many ways to acquire customers in digital marketing. Yeah. And there's a lot of great second layer things. Yeah. There's like SEO and you could do a, a direct mail campaign and commercials, but like digital is like instant feedback, clarity, tracking. It's, it's unprecedented, really. Mm -hmm. It's unprecedented what's available to you. And so it was, it was just that emotional, like, okay, I know the numbers, but like, what happens if I like 
crank the throttle. And so that's where, you know, getting help and having confidence. And, and really like the question I would ask you is why do you spend what you do on advertising? Like what drives that? Did you just set a budget one day? Like, do you know the actual amount of dollars you're making back from it? Like if you can't track it, like then you don't know if it's working or not. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I'm not going to get into the complexities of attribution models yeah, right now. You could go on for 10 hours. I'm not going to get into the complexities of, of first touch, last click, multi-touch. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not because, cause you can go and then you can go and say that there's, you know, holistic survey attribution. And then you can, you can get into, uh, there's a whole nother layer above that once you're doing yeah, tens that of you millions. Said you're not getting into that. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'll stop. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, here's the list of seven things I'm not getting into. Yeah, like... But the mistake that I see people make is ultimately they make romantic, emotional decisions. Mm. And in business, I think the only thing you should be romantic or emotional about is your products and your customers. Mm, that's good. That's a writer downer. A writer downer. That's a writer downer. You are from Kentucky. <laughs> that's a writer downer. Kentuckyana. Literally, I, I was like, is that a joke? She's I, I, like, we walked into, was it a Bass Pro? Yeah. We walked into a Bass Pro and it was like, Kentuckiana. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's like legit. I thought yeah. you were just like messing with me. No. Because it's like the border of Kentucky and Indiana. Yeah, like the news is good morning, Kentuckiana. Kaylin grew up on a farm, guys. <laughs> Brandon grew up in the city, guys. She drew a tra drove a tractor to school, apparently. <laughs> so we had drive your tractor to school day. Brandon didn't believe me nope. for like years I until I was her. able to find a picture. Yeah. And I saw it. I was like, all right, fair, fair. She's got receipts. <laughs> She's got receipts on it. So we need to understand. I'm like, I'm, I'm in tractor to school day right now. Got to switch back over. See, that's the thing about this like banter. I'm like, my brain's like. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. So we've got to understand what our numbers are and we can't be romantic. The only thing we should be romantic about is our customers and our products. And what I mean by that is like get romantic and obsess emotionally over how your product works and solves problems and like, like mm -hmm. making the best tasting product, making the most unique product. Mm -hmm. It's gotta be different, the right? Most easily digestible make course. It, make it digestible, make it whatever delivers results. Like make the best product that gets people results mm -hmm. and obsess and be romantic as heck about that. But when it comes to the numbers and the math and like the spending and the investments, that stuff, you got to get rid of that. You got to get rid of the emotions out of that, right? Mm -hmm. So when we talk about uh, your customers, be romantic about them, right? And so for us, it was, it was always serving. It was always knowing where they are. Like I would go and I would read all the groups and the comments and be like, what are they really thinking and saying, right? And like, there's, a, there's something that I call a customer feedback loop. Right. So you're whoever's doing support in your business, that's like answering support tickets, whatever, build a feedback loop. Right. So like there should be a report that summarizes like the temperature of the customers. The, yes. The temperature, you should have a metric, right. But also like the intangible stuff, like what's important to them? What are they like? What are the complaints? Right. Like, so we, we had a very dialed in system of all this, but basically a feedback loop, right. That gets the other key stakeholders, the people marketing, you just knowing what's going on and with your customers, be romantic about that. Just not the numbers, right? Not the numbers. Not the numbers. 
Okay. You ready for the next one? I'm ready for the next one. This is how I roll rapid fire. I know. She's got to be like, slow down and tell a story, Brandon. I'm like, oh. just, I'm, I'm like, give him the goods. I'm like, oh my God. Just give him the goods. <laughs> I said like, yep and amen during this podcast. <laughs> hey, you can chime in. You're in. <laughs> no, you got to get to the next bullet point. <laughs> I, uh, this is like very obvious, but like, it's crazy how much I see it is wasting time on non needle moving activities, wasting time it's on so, non needle moving activities. It's so easy. You know, what's, what's crazy is I preach this all the time. And just like recently, like I got out of a cycle of it where checking your email. Oh times yeah. A it day. was like, I'm, I'm like yeah. making sure people are supported. I'm doing like DMS email. Cause I just started really building the brand and, and putting out content for myself and checking the DMs. Like I want to be responsive, looking at comments, emails. I'm in, I'm just, I'm looking at all the interfacing with our portfolio companies and I'm just like too in the day-to-day communication. And it's like this busyness. And so it happens to everybody. I've been at this game for, you know, not a long time compared to a lot of people, but 10 years, mm-hmm. like hardcore and, and I've like found myself getting back into that. So instead of following the priorities of what I need to get done, I'm spending my energy here just being busy, mm-hmm. right? And it wasn't like I was doing like admin stuff, but just being busy, Just refreshing man. your email inbox 80 Holy, times a day. 80 times a day, yeah. <laughs> Every time I'd look at you, I'm like, That's he's generous. back in his email inbox. So it's like, it's like, how do we get away from that? And that's a mistake that I see. And w- what I'm talking specifically is like, there's, there's entrepreneurs listening to this right now that like you've got in this comfortable, like cozy, like rhythm and you're avoiding the thing you actually need to do, the job description you need to make, the hard conversation that you need to have, the product that you need to create, the building you need to buy, Mm -hmm. the money you need to invest. The person you need to hire. Like you're avoiding it and you're just like busy. Sitting in your lazy boy. Oh, I'm like digging someone right now. I know it. Someone's like, oh, they're driving their car. They're like, man. They're like, I'm, I'm on my way to the post office to check my mail instead yeah, of my writing, box. writing my script or doing a sales call, right? Like, yeah. so so I see that. It's just, it, it's just like, it's easier. It's comfortable. And this is hard. Like this whole freaking game is so hard. It's like you are always in... Like for me, I'm always in a war against my nature. Like my flesh wants to just like wake up late. My flesh wants to just like roll out of bed, like just fart around with my girls in the morning. Like they're late to school. And then I just want to like sit outside with coffee. Like that's what I want to do. Whatever. No, I really do. Whatever. But I've trained and wired myself to do the opposite of what and do what no, I need to do. No, you still do all those things. You just do it at a new time. You still right, right, right. play with the girls in the morning. You have breakfast with them every morning. You have your coffee outside. It's just at a different time. Yeah. So I just want to say that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So. <laughs> you don't not do those things. Yeah. So like you're like you're in a, a, a war against your flesh. Like your, your body was like, ah, oh, like I don't want to write this email. I don't want to like produce I want to consume. I don't want to do the uncomfortable thing. Like if you don't see my thumb right now, like if you're listening to this, like scrolling, like your flesh wants flesh wants to consume, yeah, consume. 
Like it's calling you. It's like freaking watch, watch Instagram reels just, just for a minute. It's like freaking, you know what I mean? Yeah. It sucks you in. It's like, oh, that's you. it's the dopamine, right? <laughs> that's freaking everybody is what that is. I see you too. So me and her now, after we're done with our work day, mm-hmm. we're like, phones are gone. Yeah. We're like, okay, turn on the like surround sound system, like music and like Mm -hmm. turn the pool on or whatever. And then with your phone and then like it's go, it goes away. It goes bye-bye. Super healthy for us. It's been, it's been so good. And it's not that we're necessarily always sitting there scrolling, but it's like, just, just check this and do that. Check this and staying in the work kind of environment. Yeah. Text back to this or like look up this. Busy, busy, busy. Like yeah. You can hammer out all of that at the beginning of the day and the end of the day. So that's what mm-hmm. I that's what I do now. Like I purpose, I'm not perfect at it. At the beginning of the day, answer all my emails. And it's really been more like middle and end, but like pick pick two points or three points or one point mm-hmm. in a day and do all of that. Yeah, and you even did this with Comment like back clients, on your social media. Right? Check your email, respond to your clients, mm-hmm. whatever you're doing. Yeah, like you have the block on the calendar. Mm-hmm. That like, this is the block in which I reply to clients. Like yeah. I send them all a message at this time. And yeah, it's just like everything. there and it's like towards the, either at the beginning or the end of the day or whatever. And it's like, this is when I do that. I don't have to do that all day long. I'm going to do it at the end of like end of the day or beginning of the day. Yeah. But I don't have to like constantly be refreshing things to find something to do. And I'd say if you're this person right now that this is like hitting you, it's like, why, like, I would seriously think about the question, like, why am I distracting myself with the email inbox and with over replying to people? Because it's easy. Yeah. It's like, why am I doing that? What's the thing I'm hiding from actually getting done? Yep. What's the, what's the big scary thing that I'm putting off because I have so many emails to get back to? Yep. Or you fill your freaking calendar with meetings that you don't actually need to be at. Exactly, babe. It's amazing. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's incredible. (laughs) It's (laughs) incredible. All my meetings I'm at, I need to be at. I'm saying me. Oh, yeah. You just don't. Sh- yeah. Kaylin's not a big fan of meetings. No. So um, it's amazing what happens when I get so busy that, and when I say busy, like I get productive and then I'm like, oh, I can't go to that meeting because I got to do something that's actually more productive. And then like how much I didn't need to be there and the team can handle it. And I can read the Otter AI transcription later in two minutes if I want. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's amazing what starts to happen when you focus on the productive activities. So this is a, a constant, this is like a plague. <laughs> yeah. That, like you have to constantly elevate, right? So I call it the law of elevated activity. You're like, you have to constantly elevate the activity and not not more activity, Yeah. but the type of activity that is the most leveraged needle moving activity that you can do at any moment. And it's uncomfortable but when you start operating in it, it just builds that muscle and it gets exciting. That's when stuff starts getting exciting. When you're like, when you're calloused, when you're like leveraged, <laughs> you know, like you got people doing stuff. You're not like, it's, it's wild. Like when I'd say when I really finally built the leadership team at Lady Boss the second time, cause first time I failed miserably at it. <laughs> we'll talk about that on another podcast. The second time. I got to a point where like, I didn't actually do anything, right? Like I didn't do anything. I was just directing. I was like, oh, giving input over here, stamping this, right? Like I just made decisions and I didn't really actually do anything. I didn't write anything or do anything. I just kind of like, like I just. You told them to bring you six inch putts. So yeah, that's. They were were just bringing you six inch putts. That's right. 
And um, so when I said I didn't do anything, like I worked, you know, but I people brought me six inch putts, right? Mm -hmm. It's like they drove the ball. They uh, did the approach shot, did the first putt. I'm like the second putt, right? If you're getting par, mm -hmm. which, hey, I played around in golf when we went on vacation two weeks ago. Was that last week? Yeah, last week. Something like that. I got some par. I don't, I don't, I'm a terrible golfer, by the way. So people ask, I'll just be like, yeah, par. I got like one par. <laughs> <laughs> That's my strategy. Oh my gosh. I think I golf like 109. <laughs> Stop. That was it, 109. No, oh my gosh. yeah, no. Yeah, it was 109. Well, the whole course was like water too. You, oh, that said. you guys course. lost like 60 That balls. course was so hard. It was like, 16 out of 18 holes had water. It's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Where golf balls go to drown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Guys, this one's super interesting. Um, if you have salespeople, it's it's like a it's very nugget tactical. If you have salespeople, do not pay them residual. Do not build residual income for salespeople. Okay? Like, Why is that a terrible idea, Brandon? Because what happens is you're like, oh, it's like um, we sell payment plans and it's with cash flow. And as we get paid, they get paid. The problem is that they start to build up residual income. They're demotivated. They're not. They're like, oh, like I'm I've made my nut of what I wanted to make. And now I'm covered. Now I'm like, I'm good. Like, I don't have to work that hard. I don't have to wake up hungry and, yeah. and go kill. Right. And so. There's um, there was an auto glass company. And I, that's where I learned this from. There's my friend at an auto glass company and they would sell windshields at car washes. And they found that when the overrides of like their team became so great, they just got lazy, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is why- It wasn't even lazy. It's just like, I'm comfortable now. I'm right. making what well, I wanted they, to make. And yeah. I'm like, I'm good. She's so nice about it, right? Right. I'm like, they're lazy. <laughs> She's like, so, so it's like people hit their, they're comfortable. They hit an income and they're comfortable. And you're like, oh, that's so cruel, Brandon. How could you be that? And I'm like, no, like, they're, they're not learning. They're not growing. The reality is, and, and with the sales teams that I've built, like the sales managers, they get overrides, but a majority of their comp is just driven by their own production and they got, got a higher percentage of it than others did, right? So creating residual income for people that you want to wake up and like hunt and kill and get motivated every day is, is not a recipe that works well. So it's, <laughs> so it's kind of like a, like a small, like, like tangible like more tangible nugget. But it's um, a big one. But it's a big one. Um, this one's tough. We did a podcast in depth on this about how to manage business partnerships and the mistakes with business partnerships. One of the mistakes that I see a lot is that people don't deal with contention, strife, issues with business partners swiftly. So we're talking... Like we're just sitting around, all the strife and contention is happening. It's boiling up, but we don't deal with it, right? And like, I think, I think this is like, I can think of so many examples of this in my head of like, just every time there was a personnel issue, it's hard to deal with. It's like, all right, so here's my favorite tactic with this. Ready? We get on the call, we get in the meeting, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you say, hey, this conversation's going to suck. <laughs> Like I would start with that. It's like, just set the tone or this is going to be a hard conversation, right? It's like, set the tone. And then it's just like disciplinary conversation or 
non-performance type of conversation um, or in business partnerships like, hey, here's where I'm not happy, but but like burying this stuff and not dealing with it swiftly. Like there's an example company we were working with, they had a business partner. He never performed his duties. He's dragging the company down. He's got a full-time job on the side. And it's like, and the, 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 the more the company grows, the more his like equity's worth, right? And like the, the, the longer, the, the harder it's going to get to like right-size the relationship because he's not contributing, right? And renegotiating that. So this is just like an example of you've got to deal with personnel issues swiftly and you let stuff boil. Then it's like it gets complicated. People want something. They feel like they're owed something in that kind of context. Mm -hmm. And and so and I, I don't know. I'm just this is a side note I'm thinking about. But if you become the mediator of all the conflict in your business between your team members, your employees, it will exhaust and emotionally bankrupt you. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Like when someone comes to me, like your job is not to solve everyone else's problems on your, in your staff. Amen. Like it's not like, this is a, this is a, this is a, my mistake here. Right. Mm -hmm. This isn't like a recent one. This is like, so, so if your employees come to you and so someone's like, Hey, I have a problem. Susie's like, I got a problem with. So-and-so is not doing something with right. Susie's like, I got a problem with Riley over here. And you're like, the first thing I go is great, like, or not great, but like, I'm like, Hey, okay. I understand. Have you talked to Riley about it? Have you told her how you feel? No. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, after you do that, let me know how it went. <laughs> like, like literally that's it. I remember watching him tell people this and their freaking like, eyeballs would be like the size. My job of is to not be the middleman to solve all of your problems. Yeah. Right. And, and so you got to be careful doing that because now you're like, every time there's strife or contention in the team, you got it. You're going to be in the middle of it. Yeah. You're having to like be their counselor. Right. And so I've definitely had the, to be the mediator. Yeah. I have well, like, to If it's not it. solved, like, yeah. then let me know. Like, let me know how it goes because if it doesn't get solved. And then, then I'll ask him. I'll follow up. Yeah. Be like, hey, how'd it go? You know, if I don't hear from him next week, we're meeting. Oh, I haven't talked to him. I'm like, all right, well, you need to talk to him. And, and then if it doesn't happen, then at that point, it's like, I'll pull them in, right? Or they're just like, oh, we can't find the alignment. And then it's like, okay, they come in and I go, okay, hey, you guys are both here. There's two sides to every story. Tino, let's hear what you have to say. Susie, let's hear what you have to say. I make them listen to each other. And then I'm Basic like- Basic conflict resolution. Where, this is it. It's like, where can you guys find common ground? Oh, well, I admit I could do this and I could do It's like it. That's like all you got to do. It's not that hard. But you let them try to do it first. Oh, totally. Because otherwise you're just in the middle of it. It's exhausting, right? Mm -hmm. Guys, one of the biggest entrepreneurial epic fails. Oh, this one just like as a oh, no. what is as it? a numbers guy. Oh gosh. <laughs> you're like, there you go. People that don't care about spreadsheets. No, is that's that what not it is? no, no, no. Whatever. It no. was. Now he's changing no, it. No, it's not. No, it's not. When you don't care about spreadsheets. <laughs> I know. Recording these podcasts afterwards, I'm like, somebody give me a spreadsheet. <laughs> and I'm like, I could do I'm this like, for like eight more hours. I'm like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm like right in the middle of being an extrovert and an introvert. Mm. But this is like, this takes it out of me. I like it though. It's fun. It's fun to do it with you. So so you're a neutral vert. I'm a neutral vert. On, 
<laughs> that sounds gross. I know, a it was meant to. A neutral vert? Yeah, it was meant to. So one of the biggest epic fails that I see is people that um, entrepreneurs do not have clear profit and loss statements. They don't actually have a scoreboard. Could you imagine trying to coach a football team in a football game and not knowing what the score was or what down it was? Yeah. You'd be like, what play do we call? I'm like, I don't know what down it is. Do, should we punt the ball? Are we going to run on first down? It's like, this is how how you guys, I'm I'm calling you out. Some of you, they you run your company and you don't have a freaking scoreboard. Mm-hmm. You don't know what it is. Yeah, your team's getting crushed by the other team, like pancaked on the field. And you're like, what's happening? Or, <laughs> or even worse, you think you're winning. Oh, yeah. This is what I see a lot of. Oh, yeah. We've seen that in the room with people a lot. They come in thinking they're winning. We Brandon like gets a grab of this P&L is looking at stuff. And he's like, you guys are losing money. And so <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't want and that you're, to like, happen. Pretending it's not like I don't want that to happen. But like, just like if. No, if but you're... people think out of sight, out of mind. Like, if I don't look at it, I don't really know. It feels like I'm winning. Yeah. And like. That's how externally everything is going and decision making is going. It's yeah. like the company's winning. It's not like you're now in like, like fight. You should be like fighting for it. And people haven't like shifted gears into that mode because they don't even know yeah. it's happening. So every entrepreneur needs to go get a basic understanding of a PL profit and loss statement or income statement, also called statement of cash flows and a balance sheet. Those mm-hmm. are the three reports. Like you need to understand how those all work and connect. I think every entrepreneur needs to yeah, know that. Yeah, tell them how it should be broken down too. Yeah, so so GAAP is GAAP accounting, generally accepted accounting practices. Like if you ever if you want to get serious about the game of business, you got to understand how the score is calculated and how it works. Mm-hmm. Right? Like like you can't look at your bank account balance and think that you like in the beginning, yes. Mm-hmm. You're like money in, money out, it's very simple, but as you grow, it gets a lot more complicated. Cash flow timing, accounts payable, accounts receivable, balance sheet, you have inventory, one-time expenses, management adjustments. There's all these things that start to play out into the game. Mm -hmm. And if you don't understand how the score is calculated, you're going to lose. And so you got to face the reality of where you actually are. I'm talking to you. You got to face the reality of where you actually are. And it's hard to do. It's like really like ignorance is kind of bliss sometimes, but really it's poverty. Mm. And so you've got to understand your profit and loss statement. You've got to understand and have gap and have a real scoreboard, right? Like I get these like, I get these like P&L submitted. And it's I'm like just, napkins. Like I'm about to meet with, yeah. And it looks like a napkin or it's like some weird spreadsheet that like has like categories that don't make any sense. Like, I go through and I do a financial review on a monthly basis of every P&L of all of the businesses in our portfolio and all of the companies that we advise. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take me long because I'm so used to it. I can look and I can see the story. Like I don't need to, to know the story because I can see it in the data. It's a shortcut, guys. Like there's so much information it's exa- like if someone got on and tried to explain to me what's happening in their business, it would take me an hour to learn what I can learn in a PL in two minutes. Wow, that's a big claim. It's a, I'm dead serious. Like, I I've already seen know what's you do happening. it, so I believe it. 
Like I read people's mail and it's not because I'm like special. It's just because I understand how it works. I know that I know the scoreboard works. Like if you went into a, into a, get into a football game and you're looking at stats and you're like, all right, quarterback's got, you know, he's throwing six for 25, two fumbles. <laughs> like you don't need to sell. So he's Dak Prescott is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'm sorry. I couldn't well, it. to, to, <laughs> To his credit, he no. probably wouldn't throw a check down pass on fourth down for no, the, babe. the game. We throw dirt at other teams, not on our own. I know. Okay, that's what you need to learn about being a sports fan. All right, you can't throw us under the bus. We only throw other teams under the bus throw, to make I, us feel better about our bus. All right, all right. Okay, I, I need to get all better right. at that. All right. <laughs> you're, you're doing the crap talking all wrong. Yeah, you got to talk crap to the other teams, not to our team. <laughs> She's right. I believe in you, Kirk Cousins. We, yeah, I try. I can't. I can't muster it out right now. All right, guys. So let's be like, be like, what are they talking about? Football, NFL. Yeah. So, so like, if you know those stats, you know exactly what it, what the story was for the quarterback of that game. Same mm-hmm. exact thing. Face the reality. Face the facts. Otherwise, you're living in freaking fantasy land, right? People are living in fantasy land. Well, I love what you always say too when people come in and. You know, you're looking at them. They don't even know they have a problem with their PNL. They think it's, you know, what it is. But when you explain to them like that, it should be broken down in a way that they can understand. So when they're looking at it, it's like, here's what everything actually looks like. You yeah. know, can you like explain what that what that means for them? Yeah, basically, it's charting your accounts. Yeah. So so you could Google that and look at an article and be like, all right, here's the basics. It's basically like allocate your expenses in buckets that you understand. Yeah. So you know, like if something's off, that's it. It's basically, that's it. That's what you have to do. So if you don't do that, everything's hit. There's no miscellaneous column. That's how embezzlement <laughs> happens. It's like. <laughs> embezzlement happens in the miscellaneous that's column. Right. Oh, miscellaneous. Oh, oh, we'll just like, oh, there's just 12 grand or three grand or whatever it is sitting in the miscellaneous column. We'll just be okay with that. Yeah. I'm like, no, like that doesn't work. So. <laughs> So this is like the boring side of business, not the sexy marketing and sales side, but like it's it's the scoreboard, right? Mm-hmm. Your company has to be profitable or you're you're not operating. You can't help anyone, right? And if you don't know what the freaking score is, you don't know what play to call. Yeah, how do you make decisions? You know? It's gut. Which hey, some people can make such great gut decisions or they're so good at sales, they have no clue. It can it, they can still win. And I've seen it before. Yeah, yeah. But but that's not the majority. Not, of that's the case. not the majority of people, right? No. So this is another one, and this is like in that kind of money column. I don't know why this is a thing. I understand it, but so so the end of the year comes. We're in like November, December. You're like, oh, I got all these profits, and then you're like running to your CPA, and you're like, how do I reduce my pro? How do I pay less in taxes? And they're like, oh, well, you just got to like buy stuff and write it off. Oh yeah. And we're like, okay, so. We made money and then we're going to go like you pay a percentage of your profit in tax. Right. And so we want to go and like reduce our tax bill. But like, guys, it's discounted at whatever your tax rate is, meaning like just because you buy something and write it off doesn't make it free. Yeah. It makes it 40 percent off. Right. Like it makes it 37 percent off if you're at the highest income tax bracket. You don't have state tax. Right. So. It doesn't make it free just because you buy something and you write it off. 
it's a 37% discount. At best, if you live in California, God help you, <laughs> it's at 50% off, right? So, hey, like if you need to buy something, 50% off is better. But you know what else is better? 50% of your money in your pocket if you mm -hmm. didn't need to buy it. Yeah. So it's just this like weird thing. And look, like there are so many, and I can't even get into this, but there are multiple ways to pay no tax, no tax, zero tax at the income level. So take all your profit out of your business and reduce your taxable income after that with other strategies. Like one of our, our portfolio companies, passive income formula, this is what we do. Like that's a part of it because there are things that the elite know that family offices understand yeah. that I've learned over the last few years. Mm -hmm. And, and so like, go get access to that information instead of buying a bunch of stuff you don't need yeah. and just reducing your actual take home income. It's so stupid. Like, and, and I get it. I'm saying it's stupid because it frustrates me. Like why the heck does this happen? But it's really just, it's just bad thinking. Mm. That's it. It's stinking thinking. <laughs> Stinking thinking. <laughs> it's stinking thinking. Dang, I thought it would take me longer to get through this stuff, but we're like motoring through it. What's wrong? You guys, um, most people have the issue of not delegating enough. Like they they try to hold too much control. This is a mistake I see. I had a problem with this. You had a big problem with My this. first leadership team, I was like, I didn't micromanage, but I was like in- You were co-managing. I was just like in what they were doing too much mm -hmm. because I didn't have competent enough people to where that they could actually handle it. They were in over their heads. Mm. So most people, they don't delegate enough or they don't invest enough in the right talent. That's a huge mistake that I made. And I talk about that on a different podcast. But when it comes to this, the flip side is... a some very visionary entrepreneurs. So, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs are very visionary. They don't want to be in the weeds. They don't want to be in the, in the like spreadsheets or how things happen. They just want to be um, above that. They want to be in the, what is happening and when, but not how, like, and that's good. Like it, typically that's good. But what I've seen happen is they put people in charge of like, oh, you're in charge of the people and you're going to run the team, right? Like you're going to mm -hmm. run the, I'm just going to come over here and make my videos, sell, come up with offers, ideas, and you're going to just run the company. And then they hire someone, they just like give them the reins. And I'm like, and I've, I, I, I've watched an example of this company grew to almost $10 million, basically crashed the entire profit margin. And they, and they basically started at ground zero at a couple million dollars because somebody got the keys who wasn't qualified, made all these stupid hires, got all these expenses. And the entrepreneur had no clue and just gave all the reins and rope away, like all the slack. Like I think of leadership and like delegation as like slack and a rope, right? Like you give a little slack at a time until they earn more and and you got to yeah. give people enough rope to hang themselves. And if themselves. they drop it, you bring some of the rope yeah. back in. If they like do well, you're letting some more rope back out, but it's like a constant like back and forth until... Yes. Start a place you build, where you build trust, you build, mm -hmm. you build experience and trust together. Yeah. So it's kind of like you can't outsource your marketing and just throw money at it. Same thing. Like you could hire a, and guys, if you have like two employees or five employees, like don't, like you don't need a COO. Okay. <laughs> no. Title creep is like, 
difficult in the long, like as your, your organization. Yeah, we had develops. to reorg everything because we just named people. You're CTO. Welcome. Like, no, I didn't do that. Uh-huh. No, I didn't do that. No, I never had a CTO. Uh, no, no, no. Then what was? <laughs> I don't I can't hear you. <laughs> okay. I'm not talking about names on here. There was someone who we had to. Yeah. So, demo. so like, so my, my point here is you got to delegate guys, but it's, it's like, you, you, it's like everything's a balance. It's a teeter totter. Like that's how it works. You can go off the deep end in either direction. Yep. And that's so true. the truth is always somewhere in the middle. It's never black and white, but I, I've seen entrepreneurs that are just like, a lot of them won't let it go. Most won't, but then there's this other side that's so visionary and trusting mm -hmm. that you just hand stuff to people and they're in over their head. So ask yourself, have they done this before or am I the guinea pig for their their learning curve? Is my company the guinea pig for their learning curve? And that's okay. You can build people up. There's pros and cons You to just that. gotta hold on to the rope. But you gotta hold the rope a little tighter. Yeah. And you gotta like have a, you gotta establish what decisions they can and can't make, right? That's like delegating authority, right? That's a concept that you, you can think about. So- Guys, these are some of the big mistakes that I've seen. I don't want you to make them. You probably will just like I did because you don't know until you know. At least but they it, know what they're looking for but now. But now you know what you're looking for. So let me know what resonated with you. Leave a review. Tell me what resonated with you. Drop a what YouTube your biggest comment. Takeaway? Tell me your biggest takeaway. We'd love to hear from you guys. And that's all That's all we got today. We rocked through it. That's a big it. list. You rocked it. Pa pause pause, go back, like what resonated with you, right? Like you just need one, be like, ah, and, and share this guys. If there's something that stuck out to you that you're like, oh, somebody else, somebody else might need this or, or might help from them, shoot a, shoot a share over to them. We'd really appreciate that. And this has been an awesome time. I'm just like, was recapping in my mind, like what my biggest nugget was. What was yours? Um, I love the don't outsource your your marketing because I feel like I see that a lot and like people letting go of it. Maybe it's because I'm in marketing, so I'm like so passionate about that one. But I'm like, that if we could drive that one home, like button that up and and put it away for later. Not to so do, good, so good. Awesome guys, thanks for being with us today on another yeah. episode of the Big Business Mistake Show. Kaylin and Brandon here. We're out. We're out. We'll love see you next time. Bye.